0: It's good to be here this morning, we're glad that you're here. For those of you that are visiting, we are thankful that you have chosen to come and to be with us this day, and we hope that you will feel like you've truly worshipped God when you leave here today and be better prepared to serve Him in the coming week. Accepting Jesus' forgiveness, that's kind of the theme that I'm going to run this morning. That's such a hard thing for so many people to do. A lot of people just don't believe God can forgive them. A lot of people go through their whole life believing that. Sometimes people make a huge mistake. And it affects them and everybody around them, and they're so ashamed and they're so grieved by their sin, they just can't seem to get over it and accept God's forgiveness. And I want to talk to you about that a little this morning because I think there's a temptation in us to believe there's something I can't fix. It can't be fixed. And that's not true. God is the only person that can fix the problem of sin. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. We've all got the problem. And it affects us in various ways. So let's talk about God's forgiveness this morning. Probably 40 years ago, I was holding a gospel meeting in Bridgeport, Texas in July. And I was going down the street and I saw this old man in a kind of a panel truck like these UPS delivery trucks that opened in the back and they put the packages in there. And he was in there working on it. And I went over and started a conversation with him to invite him to the meeting, and we talked a little bit. And finally, he agreed to do some Bible study. But you know, he said, but I can't, I can't quit my work now to go do that. We'll have to do it right here. <laughs> and the only time I can study is after lunch. And it's as hot there as it has been here. And I got in that panel truck and studied with him for several days and I'm telling you what, when I would leave my shirt would just be ringing wet with sweat. He started out his conversation pretty early with I want you to know preacher that the only one of the Ten Commandments that I haven't broken is murder. I've... I've uh, Broken, every one of the rest of them, and I said that doesn't matter. God doesn't care where you've been. God cares about where you are going. Matthew one twenty one: Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's why Jesus died. That's why He came to seek and save the lost. He said, but I've done some really evil things to people. I said, have you done worse than Saul of Tarsus who killed some Christians, put others in jail? Busted up families, wreaked havoc in the church. Our King David, who committed adultery with the wife of probably the best and most loyal soldier he had. And then put him in the midst of battle and told the soldiers to withdraw and let him be murdered by the enemy. Who's the worst sinner? Paul said, I'm the chief. If you're talking about that line that starts here, and it gets worse the further it goes, the one at the very end of the line, Paul said, I'm the chief. And nobody else can claim that title. But I want you to know this morning that Jesus loves you, that Jesus died for you? And I asked him, I said, has anybody else ever died for you? Jesus died because if he hadn't done it, we would all go to hell. There'd be no way to fix this problem and there will be no sin in heaven. None. None. Jesus wants us to turn and to follow Him. He said, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me, and I give unto them eternal life, neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand. I give unto them eternal life. Folks, it's a gift. He gives it to you. We don't work to get a Christmas gift. We don't work to get a birthday gift. It's a gift. And God wants to give it to us. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. I want to tell you, when you're burdened down with sin, you don't have rest. You have torment. You have anxiety. You have guilt. You feel terrible. Or you should. If you don't, you got a real problem. Jesus understood that about people. He said, I come to fix that, to take care of that for you. And that's why he went to the cross. There's not anything that can remove one sin from our life but the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing else. You know, that was hard for this old man to, to accept the idea of sacrificial love. I'm sure he'd been very selfish. But he began to realize that by the blood of Jesus, he could have hope. I'm not talking about imaginary hope. I'm talking about real hope and real forgiveness. And the God that cannot lie promised it before the world began. God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. In 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 5, <clears throat> the Bible says, 6 and verse 9, I'm sorry. Well, I bet that's 1 Corinthians 6. Now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure it is. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Paul says, don't you know that? Aren't you aware of that? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. You know what that means, folks? That means if we have even one of those things in our life that we're practicing... We're not going to heaven. Did you see anything in there that you were doing? And acting like it's just okay? That's where it gets serious. It better. Because there's not going to be any free passes on judgment day. Get out of jail free. No, there's not going to be any of that. There's going to be a judge, and there's going to be all the people that have ever lived. And he's called the righteous judge because he doesn't show favoritism either way. And God has spoken, and his word does not change. And if we've got those things in our life, or even one of those things in our life, we need to take care of it. And then we need to accept that God really took care of it. And we're justified. It's just as if we'd never sinned. So why would we keep living in guilt and bringing it up to ourselves and playing that record over and over? That's not what God wants. It'll defeat you. It'll leave you lifeless. In this same chapter in verse number nine, know ye not that the unrighteous, no, that's, I'm sorry, verse number 11, and such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He was writing to a group of people at Corinth, one of the most wicked cities at that time. And there was a lot of those sins going on in Corinth. And he said, such were, past tense, some of you. What does that mean? That means they weren't doing that anymore. They repented. They had a change of heart. They said, Lord, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to live like you want me to live. I've put that out of my life. He said, "But you are sanctified." That means made holy. Does God make people holy? Says he does. He took filthy sinners and he made them holy people. Folks, that's good news. He said, you're justified. You're declared guiltless. You're not guilty anymore. He said, what he means by that, when he says you're justified, I will never bring that sin up to you again. And neither should anybody else. That's what it means to be justified. Justified. This man came to church on Wednesday night. He came back Thursday and was baptized. Had his sins washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. And he started changing his language, his smutty stories. He cleaned up his life. He started a church, which he hadn't done in maybe ever. I think life was much easier for his wife after they made this decision. And I hope to see them in heaven one day. Folks, that was 40 years ago. And I still remember it like it was yesterday. That's one of the good stories that preachers get to tell. And that's happened with many people in many places. But you see, here's a person who had no hope. And that's the point I want to make. He had no hope. And then he had great hope. And that's possible for anybody in this room, anybody on this planet, to have great hope. Isn't that a great story with a happy ending? And I want to tell you, those were real people. That's not made-up stories. So don't let the devil whisper in your ear and say, God wouldn't take you. You're beyond help. Because that's never true. That's the devil telling you that. Nobody is beyond help. Sin doesn't go away with time. It doesn't just evaporate if we wait long enough. It's still there until we clean it up. People try to sweep things under the rug. Out of sight, out of mind. I don't work with sin. If we just keep doing that and we get to judgment day, guess what? That's exactly what God's going to bring up. When we take care of it, he said their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Again, that means I won't bring it up on judgment day. Read Ezekiel 18 sometime and read this back and forth thing that takes place in everybody's life and see exactly what God said about that. And he said, when you're out in the world following the devil... When you get to the judgment, you're going to say, my, my parents were Christians. I went to church until I got out of high school. Can, can't you remember all of that? He said, I won't remember that. I won't bring that up. Because you left that and made a U-turn and went the other way and followed someone else. And he says, if you're out there in a world of sin, living it up, And you'll turn around and follow me, I'll never bring it up. I'll never bring your past up to you again. Is that fair? That's what he asked them. Is my way fair? You be the judge. But I can assure you that's exactly the way that it works. John 7, 17, if any man wills to do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether I speak of myself or of God. I want you to know this morning that the doctrine of God can be known. He's had it written down and put in a book where we can read it for ourselves. If any man wills to know his will, the problem is a lot of people don't will to know his will. They want to remain in ignorance. That's a bad place to be concerning God. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Folks, we need to study. That's how we know. You don't study, you don't know. You study, you know. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God didn't leave anything out of here that we needed. He provided it all. Some people have had bad experiences with preachers. Some people have had bad experiences with churches. Some people have had bad experience with Christians. So they just throw it aside. I don't want any part of it. Don't try to talk to me about that. Wow. Wow. Shame on the people that caused that attitude. But you know what? When it comes to the day of judgment, this man's going to answer for his actions, not somebody else's. And we can't let disappointments that we have in others sometimes discourage us from following God and doing the right thing. You can't use your sin as an ex- as an excuse why you can't be saved. You can't do that. Because Paul said he was the chief sinner and he was saved. Sometimes Christians kind of want to use that same excuse, don't they? Well, this or that, I I just don't think God can love me enough because of what I've done. The scripture says Jesus died for the sins of the apostles and the whole world. The whole world. I didn't leave out anybody. The blood's there for the taking. But some people just convince themselves they're exempt from some of these scriptural statements and it doesn't apply to them. God just wouldn't forgive them. A person who doesn't accept every and all Scripture in the Bible has got a real problem. Because that's what we're going to be judged by. Jesus said, I am come to call the righteous. I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The righteous are okay. It's the sinners that need Jesus' help. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. It's God's will that all men would be saved. He didn't create anybody just to punish them. He created people to have an opportunity to make their own choices and spend eternity with Him is what He desires. That's what's good and acceptable in the sight of God. He he wishes all men would be saved. Let me tell you something. God is all in on this deal. You know, all these coaches say, you need to be all in. Give your whole self. God is all in. He gave his son. He gave his son. How much more can you be in than giving your son? Jesus is all in. He gave his life. What more can you give than that? 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. See, that's the catch. That's the catch. We're going to have to deny self to follow him. Repentance means to change. Hebrews 8 and 12, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. That's the people that become a part of the new covenant that God has made for his people. What about their past sins? He said, they'll never hear anything from me about that. That's almost too good to believe, isn't it? How many people are willing to say to you, no matter what you've done to me, I'll forgive you? (laughs) Not many people in that boat, are they? Psalms 103 verse 12, For as far as the east is from the west, so far will the Lord remove his sin from you. In another verse he says, I'll put your sin behind me so I can't see it anymore. Is that true? I sure hope it's true because I'm banking on it. And I believe it's true. God wants you in heaven. He wants you in heaven. And he gave his son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what he wants. He wanted it badly. When people say they don't think that God can forgive them, then there's three things that they doubt. They doubt the promises of God. They doubt the promises of Jesus. And they doubt the power of God to take away their sin. Because the Bible plainly says that God is willing, that Jesus is willing, that there's power in the blood. Folks, that makes a weak Christian that doesn't believe in the power of the blood to save. Do you doubt the power of the blood this morning? Do you need it applied to your sin in your life? Then I'm going to tell you, you need to do it. You need to do it. You need to take care of it. We've read about how he tasted death for every man. And how God wanted to save the whole world. And so let's look at the blood for a minute. In Matthew 26 and verse 28, Jesus said, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. What's remission mean? Look it up in the dictionary it means to forgive, to pardon. He said, I'm shedding this blood. That's what we're going to remember here in a few minutes, that Jesus really did this for me and for you. The greatest act that's taken place on this earth in its history. The most powerful and far-reaching thing that's happened in the history of man. Ephesians 1 and 17, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Revelation 1 5, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. That's what the blood's for, folks. If that wasn't what it was for, why was it shed? And Peter talks about the precious blood of Jesus. Is that precious to you this morning? Do we believe in the power of the blood to take away sin? Folks, if it's not that powerful, then the Bible's not true. And we are yet in our sins. That's a scary thought. But you know, as I worked on this lesson and studied, I came up with something else that surprised me a little. Maybe God really can't forgive you. Somebody said, well, that contradicts everything you've been telling us. Not really. Well, what do you mean by that? Maybe God can't really forgive you. Titus 1 and verse 2 says, God cannot lie. If God was in the flesh, we'd say, well, physically He can. God can do anything. Anything. Yeah, but you see, God's placed limitations upon himself. And one of them is that he will not lie. He's never lied. He's never going to tell a lie. I want to go, and you may want to follow and look at this verse in in Matthew, the 6th chapter. I'm going to spend a few minutes here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. Well, I'm going to start back in verse 12. Jesus is teaching His disciples to pray. And He said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, if you're going to pray for me to forgive your sin... then you've got to be willing to do the same thing. You've got to be willing to forgive those who have sinned against you if you want my forgiveness. He goes on in verse 14 and he says, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's the way it works. But notice the condition, if. If you forgive others, I'll forgive you. But the next verse says, if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. What does that mean? That means if I'm holding grudges against other people, I'm wasting my time to pray. That's what that means. If you can't forgive others, then I'm not going to forgive you. You're demanding of others what you won't even do yourself. That's very selfish. James 5 and verse 9 says, Grudge not one against another. A grudge is something that you hold against someone else and won't let go. If you hold hold a grudge against your neighbor till you die, you can't go to heaven. That's what Jesus said. Don't ask for forgiveness if you're not going to give it. If you hold a grudge against your mate till you die, you don't have forgiveness. And you're going to answer for your sin at the judgment day. If you hold a grudge against yourself, God can't forgive you. Have you thought about that? You've put yourself on the judgment seat and taken God off. And you've made yourself judge of yourself. God won't tolerate that. Not for a minute. We are not the judge. We are not God. And so, if you hold on to your sin and cut yourself off from the blood of Christ, judge yourself unworthy of eternal life or forgiveness. Our joy, our happiness, then you can't have it. So maybe you're right. If your sin is that important to you, then maybe you're right. You can't be forgiven. He said He's not going to give, forgive people who don't forgive others. And I'm going to tell you, you don't own yourself. God owns you. And if you won't forgive yourself, you've limited God's ability to forgive you. How presumptuous to put yourself on the judgment throne. You know, David prayed that the Lord would keep him back from presumptuous sin. I can't imagine anything greater than uh, uh, presuming yourself to be the judge. You're not qualified. You know, when you put yourself in that position, you're arguing with every one of these verses and saying, God, it can't be that way. That's what you're doing. John five twenty two. says that God committed all judgment to the Son. If you have all the pie, you have all of it. He committed all judging to the Son. There's none left over for you. And you're way out of bounds. And you've entered into an area that you have no authority to be in. What God wants you to do is acknowledge His Son and accept that sacrifice for your sin and let go of that sin. Let God put it around behind Him so He don't see it anymore. And He wants you to forget it. Forget it. You can't change it. It's water under the bridge. Forgive yourself and move on. You know, as an elder of the church, our job is to try to help everybody here get to heaven. That's our job. And we're trying to do that. And I'm going to tell you, that's what I'm trying to do with this lesson this morning, is help you get to heaven. And I hope that... If you hear this on a tape 10 or 20 years from now, you'll understand the motive behind this sermon. Is to help us get to heaven. Because that's the most important thing in this life. People need to let go of their pride. And forgive themselves. I know when you sin, you, you disappoint yourself. And I'm glad you do. Your conscience should make you unhappy. That's the purpose. But don't get bogged down in that and believe that God can't forgive you. The Bible plainly says in John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God has given us a proper way to deal with sin. And He said, Christian, confess it, admit it, and forget it. We have an example of an individual who did this in Luke 15. You're familiar with the story of the prodigal son. We love that parable, it has such a happy ending. And we all identify with that prodigal son. And that's why we like that story. He had gone out into the world to partake of the world, to live in the world. He didn't want to be like they were at home where they followed God. He wanted the bright lights of the city and everything that went with it. And that's what he did. Till he had spent all of his inheritance. He didn't have money to buy a meal. And all of those friends that were around him pushing him on are gone. And he takes a job just to be able to buy something to eat. And he was feeding pigs. And he was wading around in that manure feeding pigs and trying to find a little bit of food for himself. That's what sin does to you. The Bible says that he came to himself. I want to tell you something. If you've ever been taught the right way, You'll never forget it. You may think you can put that out of your mind and become so engulfed in the world that that'll all go away. It won't. And the Bible says he came to himself. He said, Man, I thought that life was so boring. And what would I give to live that life again? And so he determined within himself, I will go to my father. I'm going home. And I'm going to say, Father, I have sinned. Quite an admission for someone who didn't want any part of that. I have sinned. That's the way to take care of sin, is confess it. And that's what he did. And he said, Father, I've sinned. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of your hired servants. Just let me work in the field. You ever hear anybody say, Well, I don't have to have a mansion in heaven if I just get inside the door. (laughs) It's not very high expectations, is it? But he confessed his sin. And he said, I'm not worthy of your forgiveness. And he wasn't. But his father was a a gracious guy. He said, I'm not worthy to be called your son. That shows a penitent heart. Jesus said, I tell you nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. We've got to repent of that sin and confess it. We've got to say that was wrong action. And I don't want anything else to do with that. That's the way you get rid of sin. Not, well, I'm sorry today, but I'm going to go back tomorrow. That's not repentance. I want this out of my life. What I thought I wanted, I don't want anymore. <clears throat> he received a royal welcome. Everything we've studied says God wants you back. That's the bottom line, folks. God wants you back. You're the only thing that can keep you away from God. And if you say, well, God just couldn't forgive me, then you're very wrong. He wants to forgive you. They put a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet, clothes on his back, and they had a party. The father said, This my son was dead. He was dead. He was away from the home. Dead. No relationship. He's alive again. He was lost! Eat up with sin. He's alive again. And so they had a party. I'm telling you, if you'll return to God, I don't care where you've been or what you've done, if you will return to God, there'll be a party. There will be a party. And when a person confesses sin. Here, what happens? All these people come to the front of the building, don't they? Because they want you to know how happy they are for you. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. If you want to come back this morning, if you've been away... And done some things that you know is not pleasing to God. You need to. And if you want to come and confess sin this morning, we want to help you. Just say, like the prodigal son, I will arise, I'm going to the Father, nothing's getting in my way. I'm going as we stand and sing.